0: So last week I turned 50, that's right, getting to be an old man. Really that's not that old, I mean I want to live to be 120 so I got like 7 more decades to go. Uh, and I'm kind of excited, I've been excited about turning 50 for a long time. Um, I don't know what it is about 50, in other words that I think going to be great. I, there's just something about being 50 or in my 50s that uh, have always enticed me. Another reason I've always looked forward to turning 50 was I wanted out of my 40s. My 40s was probably the worst decade of my life so far. And I know I've got seven more decades to go, so I'm not gonna say it's the worst ever. But up until now, my 40s have definitely been the worst. Uh, I went through things and experienced things that I never imagined I would go through or experience. I did things, I said things. I never imagined I would do or say Um, a lot of the problems I had out of the forties was my own fault and I know that and the month or so leading up to turning 50 that weighed heavy on my heart and it weighed heavy on my mind I, I, I entered into this dark wilderness where I was just wandering around in regret wandering around thinking I'm not worthy I don't belong on a stage. I mean, like even doing these videos, I I didn't feel worthy. I mean, who am I to come and, and talk to you about things of faith or about things of doing better or about things of making myself a better person? Who am I to think I can help you after the things I've done, things I've said? I mean, if you knew me, you wouldn't want to listen to me. Those are the stories that go in my head, and those are the stories that I've been telling myself. But then I ran across a passage in the scriptures. It's a book in the Hebrew is pronounced Bim Midar. I probably I may have butchered that, but how it translates in the Hebrew is in the wilderness. That struck me because I felt like I've been wandering around in the wilderness. You'll know this book uh, by its Greek or English name as the book of Numbers. It's in the first five books of the Bible. Uh, The Greek name for that would be the Septuagint. The Hebrew name for that would be the Torah. Uh, And it's a book that is about Israel after they've left Egypt. And they are in the desert on their way to the promised land. One of the unique things about this book that's baffled a lot of commentators is it's not in chronological order, Uh, which is, you know, you would think if I'm going to write a book that's about a history of a people wandering in the desert, I'd put this in chronological order, but it's not. It's not in chronological order at all. And what the teaching there is, is sometimes it's the concept, the lessons that are important, not the chronology. So if you're reading that thinking you're going to get a historical chronological order, of the children of Israel you're not don't don't read it like that read it for the lesson at the time that it's presenting it and why is this lesson in front of that lesson or why is this lesson after that lesson that's the teaching there the passage I came across was in chapter 9 and God has come up to the Moses and Aaron and he's instructed them to prepare to celebrate and the Passover feast. Now, if you remember, the Passover feast was something that they did just before they left Egypt. The Passover feast was them saying not only to God, not only to themselves, but as a nation, they were saying, we no longer accept the gods of Egypt. We no longer accept the life that we lived in Egypt. We are a different people. We are a people who is going to follow the one true God. Not the pagan gods, not the idols, not the myths, not any of those things. We're going to follow God. And so they sacrificed that Passover lamb, which that Passover lamb, um, if you didn't know this, I've shared this in a previous video, but that lamb was not a sin sacrifice. You see, that lamb was a representation of a god named Ra. It was an human, it was an earthly representation of the god Ra. And if you look at all the plagues leading up to the Passover, each and every one was a continual assault upon the gods of Egypt. And when God told them to sacrifice this lamb, he made them do he told them to do it in a very public way so that anybody walking by even roast the lamb whole so that when somebody's walking by and they see it they know exactly that the, gods, the, the God Ra's earthly representation has been slaughtered by the people of Israel and offered to their God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, anyways, back to this passage. Moses is instructed to tell them to do this. And so they're preparing for the Passover feast. Well, then this group of people came to Moses and they're like, hey, according to the rules we can't partake in the Passover because we are unclean. Why should we not be allowed to partake in the Passover? Now Moses could have very easily said, hey, rules are rules. Sorry. But he didn't. Moses was like, hmm, that's a good question. Why should these people who have left the gods of Egypt turn to the one true God have entered into this journey into the promised land with us, why should they, because they are spiritually unclean, why should they not be able to take part in this annual feast that identifies us as children of God? So he says, you know what, it's a good question. Let me go, uh, i got a, something flying near me. It was a bumblebee. They're harmless. Uh, it scares you, though, when it touches you. Anyways... He says, let me go hear from God, see what God says. So he takes this to God, and he he presents the question to God, and God says, huh, you know what? They're right. They're right. Tell you what, give them one month. On the 14th day of the next month, after they've made themselves clean again, gone through the ritual of purity again, they can celebrate a second Passover. Now, this uh, second Passover still celebrated today. It's called Pesachshini, which means second Passover, which means another chance, which means there's a valuable, beautiful lesson here. And that lesson is that God is a God of another chance. Have you ever thought about that? God is a God of another chance. Yeah, I've messed up yeah I've done things that I found myself to be unworthy and by all stretch of the imagination I shouldn't even think that uh, I, I I I'm deserving of another chance but I'm just I'm just a mere human the divine has says I am patient I am merciful I will give you another chance. Isn't that beautiful? That if I am willing to heal myself, if I'm willing to do the work to make right the wrongs that I've committed, if I am willing to turn back to God, God accepts me. God accepts me. There's a passage in Genesis chapter 4, and this is after uh, Cain had taken his sacrifice to the Lord and and God didn't accept the sacrifice because it was an inferior sacrifice. He's like, Cain, you could have done better, right? All right, buddy, go, go back and do it again. You could have done better. And Cain's upset. So in chapter 4, uh, verse 6, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you distressed? Why is your face fallen? Surely if you do right, there is uplift. I'm going to read that again. You want to write this down surely if you do right there is uplift but but if you do not do right sin crouches at the door its urge is towards you yet so he gave him a but and then he says yet you can be its master now this is Cain you know he later goes on and kills his brother he uh, his descendants become the nation of Cain and they're like mortal enemies of the nation of Israel later on but God gave Cain a choice yeah you messed up but you can do better but if you choose not to do better eh, things won't turn good yet Cain you can be the master of your choices you can heal yourself. You can do these things. This passage over in Ezekiel that I like. It's Ezekiel chapter 33. And it starts at verse 10. Now, O mortal. So God understands you're merely a mortal. See, God gets that. God understands, as the Psalm 103 tells us, He understands how God created us of mere dust he knows we're just human he doesn't expect you to be perfect but listen here now O mortals, say to the house of israel this is what you have been say, what you have been saying our transgressions and our sins weigh heavily upon us we are sick at heart about them how can we survive that's what i was going through The things i've done just really weighed heavily upon me how how can i be worthy why should i belong Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, it is not my desire that the wicked shall die. What? Wait, 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 wait. wait. I was always told the God of the Old Testament was this mean, wrathful, vengeful God. Ezekiel. Ezekiel says this. It is not my desire that the wicked shall die, but that the wicked turn from his evil ways and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, so that you shall not die, O house of Israel. One of the things that we see over and over and over as people mess up, David messes up, uh, Jacob messes up, I mean over, Moses messes up, over and over, the nation of Israel messes up, they get sent into exile. Even people who weren't part of the nation of Israel, remember the story of Jonah? Nineveh? Well, Nineveh, We're not Israelites, but God commands Jonah to go and make a proclamation to them and tell them that they need to turn from their evil and wicked ways. And Jonah doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. He even tells us at the end of the passage why he doesn't want to do it. And if I can remember, I'll get back to that. But Jonah goes and he does this. And what do they do? They're like, you know what? You're right. So they turn from their evil ways. And God counts it to them as righteousness. They had no sacrificial system. God never says that it's that, that my forgiveness is based on their sacrifices. No. My forgiveness is there if you'll turn from your ways and turn back to me. And then at the end of the story, Jonah's all upset and he's sad. And God's like, hey, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Jonah says, I knew you were compassionate. I knew you would forgive them. And that bothers me. That's the Scott Ribble paraphrase of it. But that's what he said. So the story over and over, the story that's so beautifully outlined there in in the wilderness or the book of Numbers is that God is a God of another chance. You have the ability to do better. You have the ability to put your past behind you and to move forward. You have the ability to become who God has divinely and so wonderfully and beautifully created you to be. God's put that within you. You can be its master.